Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Jerry, And I'm Jo. And we're about to do podcast 8A from series three, uh, which is the first one of 2019, although we're recording it in 2018. Um, the last podcast, 7B, was the last one we put out before Christmas, and that was about human rights. And interesting, when I sent a Christmas card to someone at work, I got an email back an instant later saying, oh, I just got this whilst I was listening to your podcast. So that's quite nice. Um, and I also met somebody who said that they listened to us while driving to work. So there's a suggestion for people. And that's really heartening because, you know, that means that they're listening to something that might be, um, you know, that, that might be helpful and uplifting and that's helping them think in a positive way, um, which is probably better than what I used to do when driving to work, which was eat custard creams. I so. mostly curse. So um, there you go. This person is doing much better yeah. than either of us. Than Good Jerry. on them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, it's really lovely when you let us know what you think, and you can do this by visiting our website, www.helpfulsocialwork.com, or by commenting on iTunes, or on our Facebook page, Helpful Social Work Podcast, and we, we do want to hear from you. Yeah, so this week it's a, a podcast, um, so we are looking at the social work journey, and we have gone quite a long way along the social work journey and we're going to be talking about reviews this time although of course you review as you go don't you and um really we shouldn't be doing anything without thinking about it um yeah and actually later i'll talk um about in working together where they make may make quite a clear um distinction between the process of monitoring reviewing and monitoring and the formal review so that idea that you review the whole time, you monitor the whole time, and then as well as that, you have a formal stop, think, review process. So I'm going to start with definitions, as usual, and there are loads of definitions for review. Uh, so it can mean to look over or examine again, to consider retrospectively or look back on, to examine with an eye to criticism or correction, which is more like a peer review for a journal or something, mm. to write or give a critical report. Um, and in law, it means to evaluate a decision to determine whether, an er whether any error was made. And it's also to subject to a formal inspection. So it comes from the root again and to see. And actually, I think that because we're, we work with people, it probably makes the most sense to think of review as being about seeing the person again. Yeah, I, I found that really interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, which one would I choose? If I had to choose one of those definitions, which one would I say is the best one for what we do? And actually, none of them. I like the idea of us making up our own definition, uh, you know, thinking of seeing someone again. But also, for me, it's reviewing our shared understanding of our purpose. So what is it we're trying to achieve together? Hmm. And are we actually getting there? You know, that's the kind of thing that I think a review is about um, in social care. And you've talked about social work as a journey. And actually, the review then is kind of like revisiting the map, seeing where we're at. Yeah, uh, we're doing on destination. Yeah. Is it still the right destination? Has the trip been as we expected? What have we learned from it so far? 
and what do we want to add to it? Because I think that's the other thing about review, isn't it, is it's not just checking what we've done or looking for errors. It's also looking for opportunity again mm. because every intervention that you have with someone hopefully will provide more foundation or more growth. And when you get stronger foundations and stronger growth, you also get more opportunities for difference. So it's a review. A review is also an opportunity to create more difference, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of review as opportunity, not just looking back, but looking forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's more of a 360 degree view, isn't it? Yeah, and definitely something we're doing with somebody. So it's that kind of, you know, if you imagine you're stopping on your journey and you're looking at the map, you're sitting beside each other, aren't you? You're sitting on the bench beside each other with the map spread out and you're looking together mm. and and reflecting both backward and forward. So we're going to do the, um, the legal bit yeah. because we do have responsibilities with review and they'll be slightly different in different nations. But um, for adults in England... Care Act 2014 says that you need. It's interesting when I looked at review. This it comes up. The word comes up about 350 times in the guidance, and it refers not just to reviewing the support and care that we provide to an adult or to a carer, but also a strategic level kind of review. So mm. local authorities themselves are supposed to review things, but with an individual, ideally every every 12 months um, at least. And the first review would be is recommended to be six to eight weeks after a plan signed off. And there's quite a lot of principles in there about things being proportionate um, and you know, appropriate to the circumstance. And really, that's where we have this kind of interesting line between review and reassessment. If you if things have changed, then it can tip into a reassessment. Mm. Um, but the idea is that you review the outcomes and um, how things are going and what you can't do legally is change someone's eligibility for a service um or for care and support without a reassessment yes yeah and they would and this would have similar chimes in children's services we've got working together 2018 and the care planning regulations mm -hmm. um as well as that we've got the adoption act um and the leaving care act transition guidance so there's a whole range of guidance and in that guidance they all talk about reviews um, but all children who are subject to any plan in children's services need to be reviewed on a regular basis. Um, children in child protection, for example, uh, there's an independent reviewing officer who will call together everybody after three months and then from there on six monthly. So there's very regular reviews there mm -hmm. for looked after children. Um, they must have a review of their plan and living arrangements. Uh, and that's got to happen on a very regular basis, they basically talk about the key issues that need to be addressed in the review process as being the child's participation. And this is a really key thing for us. How have we understood what's happening for the child and how are we enabling them to talk to us and tell us how that plan that we've made is impacting on their lives? So how, how can they share their lived experience um, in a way that feels safe um, and is helpful to them, mm -hmm. and then making sure we involve other agencies. And I guess this is probably the same in adult services. Very, very rare that our children and families are a one-person band. There's normally lots of people involved, making sure they're all involved and that they're really clear about the purpose of their involvement, making sure there's supervision and oversight, 
and really being able to talk about what progress is being made towards the achieved, towards achieving the identified outcomes. So that's, you know, you made me think clear. about a couple of things, actually, because the the principles of the Care Act apply to reviews as to everything else, which is the involvement of the adults, starting with their wishes and views and thinking about um, what's going to you know, help them achieve outcomes. Um, but also that sense of all these other people involved, because that's a really interesting balance, difficult balance sometimes. I remember from reviews that I've done sometimes where you've had the adult and the family and a carer and care workers and registered manager and you know, various people and actually trying to make sure that everyone's heard, but particularly that it doesn't become a professional talking shop is quite tricky. And that it doesn't feel overwhelming mm. for somebody because that's I've often thought exactly the same thing, Jerry. I think particularly in our um formal child protection conferences, which I know people are always trying to work towards making um more accessible and helpful than than they can be. But if you've got 12 or 14 professionals sitting around a table to one or two of you in your family, it, that can feel, I think, very, very daunting, especially when mm. they're asking you to account for yourself because there is an element of reviewing that, that requires accountability, doesn't it? Yes, and, you know, there's really, there's formal, I had a quick look at this, I think there's pretty much a formal process for revisiting any judgments or decisions that we make so um there's safeguarding reviews in adults as well there's um you know, review of safeguarding plans there's care program approach reviews in mental health if you have a deprivation of liberty safeguard it has to be reviewed if you have a mental health act assessment it has to be reviewed um yeah, there, there isn't anything that we should do without revisiting it but that has to be really meaningful doesn't it for people mm. It does, and there has to be. Um, and one of the things that the um, looked after children, the care planning, placement, and case review regulations talks about, is that the process of review is ongoing, and it starts from the monitoring of an existing care plan, but that it's important to distinguish between reviewing as a process of continuous monitoring and reassessment, and the case review, which is an event where a child's plan may be considered, reconfirmed, or changed, and those decisions agreed and recorded. So this is this key idea about when do you change the plan and how do you demonstrate that the change was necessary, which is um, an important part of reviewing as well, I think. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a bit about the ethics and then some of the practice. So I always go back to the Code of Ethics, the Basswood Code yes. of Ethics, and review does help with some of the ethical things that we're trying to do. So it fits with the idea of, the ethic of promoting the right to participation. Um, so we should be promoting involvement and participation in ways that enable people to be empowered about decisions and actions that affect their lives. So review is, is a great opportunity for that. Um, we also have an ethic around making considered professional judgments and being aware of the impact of ourselves on the judgments that are made and the practice that happens and, and what happens to people. So revisiting kind of what we've done what the out you know the impact of, of our work has been is really important and that also fits with this um, ethic around being professionally accountable as we should be prepared to account for actions that we've taken and judgments that we've made to people who use services to our employers and the general public and again review is an opportunity to to say okay this is 
this is what I've done and why, um, and, mm. and respond to questions. Because I think one of the things that happens is that there's a lot of unanswered. People tend to not go away from an assessment with a care and support plan without some questions that, you know, they they either are kind of embryonic questions or things that are sort of at the back of their mind or things that come up later. Mm. And to have that chance to sit back down with with your social worker and say, okay, I've been wondering about this. Or could we, you know, what about this thing? Or could we try this? Or why is this happening? Mm. Um, and the same things goes for things like tribunals and mental health. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's that necessary opportunity to ask questions that in the, in the world and the midst of all the things that are going on, you just really may not have thought of. And also people are not static. Mm. We're not fixed things. You know, life is changing around us all the time. You know, we if we understand, if we look at um, development from a lifespan point of view, we know that we continue to develop and grow until our death, actually. There's no time when our purpose and our personality and our experiences are fixed forever. And so, therefore, it's right that more questions come up and that things change and that people become curious about different things, it's right that a plan is an organic and, and moving thing. Um, and it's about how you allow that to happen but still stay fixed on the journey. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it, like like not just kind of leaping around from one thing to another and keep being clear. Why am I, what what why are we involved? Why is it that this person needs help from us right now what is it that they're hoping to achieve and what's the best way of getting there shouldn't be knocked off course mm. all the time but at the same time we should ex we should expect people to change and have different experiences during that yeah it requires a lot of skill really it's not yeah. just going in taking a look ticking off that things are in place um although i think sometimes it can be presented like that just get that review done you know yeah. um I, li I quite like the way that research and practice um have thought about this as part of the whole assessment cycle um assessment and support cycle which is that you have a sense of the story the situation the story they call it um thinking about what that means and what needs to happen and that's kind of your assessment and then when you you put in the things that need to happen and then there's this question how will we know we are making progress and that's where you set and the outcomes that you then come back to look at and review but when you go out to to review whether that's kind of informal monitoring or it's the set review time you don't just say are we making progress you think about why might we not be or why are we um, mm. because you might have to go right back to well actually the situation is different than I thought or my analysis about what it meant might not have been quite spot on or what needed to happen might have been something a bit different because I think one of the things that can happen in review when we're pressed is that we look at the things that are in place and tinker with those mm. rather than going right back to what's life like, what's actually happening, what matters. And what's here. the purpose? What's the whole purpose? I think I think for me, um, you, you touched on that idea of, of, of you know, um, ticking something off. And one of my um, greatest fears with review is when people treat it like it's a task list. And they go, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And if people say that they have, then that's seen as progress. And if people say that they haven't, then they go, well, when can you do this? Mm. Instead of kind of um, 
being able to be much more curious the whole time about how does this thing contribute to our overall purpose why is it that you haven't done it? And if you did do it, what happened? What result did it have? Why did it matter? Who did it matter to? Because that's the other thing. It's no good all the adults, and this is from children's point of view, there's no good all the adults in the room feeling good about progress if it's not making any difference to the child. So if the child's lived life continues to be difficult, distressing, or stopping them from where they need to be in terms of development, then we can all be as happy as we want about all the jobs we're doing. That's really interesting. And we were going to talk a bit about some of the techniques that help with that. It might be worth doing that now, actually. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of work recently about appreciative inquiry, which is where you go and look at practice um, to identify things that are working and there's a little principle of a priest of inquiry is that there is no group or activity or organization where there's not some good things going on and so you look you you find out what's good what are you proud of what's working um, and then build from that and say how do we do more of that how can we be more helpful um, and use quite a lot of solution focused kind of work like if things were the best they could be how would they be um scaling questions you know, where are you at the moment um how would we get to the next you know how would we get from a two to a three let's mm. say um and that i found that really really helpful thinking about reviews because the review isn't just is it okay it's an opportunity to look at or how can it be better i think that's right one of the things that we can do is we can focus too much on managing minimizing the risk for people and what we don't think enough about is well as we do that as we take away risk or as we change the scenario or the or the situation that they're experiencing or help them behave in a different way new possibilities open up actually in people's lives and so that's when we can actually spend time particularly using solution focused work scaling work and motivational interviewing actually as part of the ongoing plan is to continue to build the person up, isn't it? Continue to add to their resilience, add to their strength, enable them to be confident that the next time they face life's adversities, which they will because we all do, that they have a set of skills from the work we've done to take away to apply to that. And so I don't know, I think sometimes review is an opportunity to think about skill transfer and the the continued building of the person as their capacity grows. Because if the work is right, if the plan is helping, then people's capacity will increase and increase over the life of that plan, won't it? Yes. And there's a few kind of issues um, that get in the way, I think, of thinking of of, uh, review like that. Um, So three things that I kind of particularly thought of. One was... um, yeah, we, we might not have the opportunity at all to do a review because there's so much pressure on people's time. Mm. And it's, you know, we sometimes, you know, we might well think we have to prioritise the new person rather than going back to revisit someone. Um, mm. We also do have um, issues around of this idea that we've got to review so that we can close things. Yes. Finish services, that kind of stuff, yep. rather than yep. seeing it as an opportunity. It's like, okay let's narrow things down 
And the other thing is that very often you know, I, as a social worker, wouldn't be going out to revisit something to see someone again. I'd be seeing it for the first time. Mm. Um, so all of those things can stop stop it feeling like an opportunity and make it feel more like let's just get this done. Yeah. Um, so it's a kind of a have we done enough to stop the immediate harm? Yes, we have good you know, and and once again, if we talk about the context into which we are working at the moment with the increase um, in demand in both adult social care and children's social care, um, alongside the decrease in resources, not only within those two organisations, but also within partner organisations, you can see how that thinking to review to close or to review to cut or to review to minimise becomes attractive actually yeah and of course legally we can't use you know um, you can't go out with an intention to save money close something yeah, yeah exactly. i mean the, the law the law is about revisiting it looking at how we're doing against outcomes and what's the best way of meeting those and yeah. and i think that's that's absolutely the ethic of people going out to do reviews as well so i think what yep. we have to do is kind of resist some of those pressures on us and carve mm. out that space around um who is this person and how mm. how is you know, how is their life that real person-centered way of doing it and i think there's a few things that help with that one of them is if we're not the if it's not our if we've not worked with that person before it's the recording of our colleagues so mm. there's there's so much that you can do to help people get a sense of who someone is before you go out and visit them which would be things like um one page profile for example or things that set out um genograms ecograms things that chronologies things that really set things out and give you a, a picture of that person and what's happened i think we also need to be really honest and open about why we're coming out to review mm. and it is about so in adult services it's about looking at what we're providing but also looking at everything else that's around the adult and we don't want to create dependency but we also don't want to create um uh, a vacuum you know we don't want to kind of leave somebody without support that they need well, so you don't want to create a cycle of them coming back again don't we that's that's yeah. the thing it's it's the right help in the right proportion at the right time which is never easy to do actually but you're wanting a person i i want i want people to go away from encounters with me feeling as if they have a little bit more in terms of skills and knowledge and strategy and hopefulness that they can use in their day-to-day -day life than what they had before they encountered me. So, mm. you know, are we able to contribute to the building up of a person for them to go on on their journey? And I agree with you. We don't want – you don't want to hang on to a, a, a person – or put them into a into a into a place where they think they can't do without you. I think that's really unhealthy practice. But you want them to feel that they're ready, don't you? I so think. it's that really open question, isn't it, about what's right for this person? Um, mm. What does this person need from me? Not what's right for my service or my organisation. Yeah. Um, yeah, or for me. <laughs> and that's and that's a real tension, isn't it? That's mm. yeah, yeah, because that, that's a real tension that people are trying to balance all the time. Um, and I think that it can help if you are, if you kind of really scrutinise in yourself, why am I going out? What am I hoping to achieve from this? And how can I make a space for the person I'm going to see to tell me 
why they want to see me and what they're hoping to get from it. Yeah, and as always with good practice, colleagues and supervisors really help. Yeah. Um, so preparation for review ideally would include a conversation with somebody about, okay, I'm going out to see this person. This is where I think they're at um, from looking at the records. This is what I'm hoping to talk to them about. Um, what sort of options have we got? You know, mm. and, and actually maybe you'll go out and need to come back and talk to people and reflect and then make a judgment. Um, cause it, it certainly, my experience was that the review was the idea was you did a one off visit and then you wrote it up and you, you made the decisions as you went. Mm. And actually it's sometimes you do really need to say, this has been really helpful. I've got to go away and think about it and come back. Um, so having a supervisor who's aware and supportive really helps with that. And I think that's quite different in children's services where our review process is is often a formal process, Jerry. So um, we're often in a meeting. They're often held in child in need meetings or child protection meetings or child looked after meetings or um, school uh, meetings, you know, for SEND. So there's a formal meeting that you have where you carry out the review yeah. and a number of people are sitting down coming to decisions about that and that's why I was talking about that kind of that tick list approach that can happen mm. because those meetings have a chair and everyone's asked to contribute and in good meetings the first person who's always asked to contribute is the person to, of whom's life it is about what would you like to say about this what are you thinking and you try to you know be really aware of those power imbalances um but, but again, preparation is going to be so important there, isn't it? Really so. important, really important. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things, I know that you started to talk about it earlier when we were talking about the types of um, errors you can make, some of the biases that we that we need to watch out for. Um, and one of the things that has been proven, and Munro has written a really lovely paper called Common Errors of Reasoning in Child Protection, and one of the key things that that found was that um, – Professionals are slow to revise their judgments despite a mounting body of evidence against them. So when we're in those meetings and we're hearing from people yeah. things that don't fit into the pattern we're making, we sometimes downgrade that evidence, um, give it less weight or dismiss it altogether because it doesn't fit with our original hypotheses, the thing that was in the assessment in the first place. Mm. Um, and so that's that that really impacts on our ability to carry out a helpful and fact-based review that kind of seeks to understand the impact of the action and the lived experience of the people we're working with. So I think there is um, there is some real arguments for excellent preparation before a review. Yeah, and trying to keep an open mind. But yeah, I think starting with the person's view will help with that that's really interesting that Monroe's written about that because it fits very well with um the the bias of sunk costs um so mm. this is the thing where if you've invested in something you don't want to change yeah you don't want to admit it doesn't work um it's already cost us so we don't want to do something different uh, and that happens in all kinds of projects and all kinds of decisions in life um people keep investing in something rather than saying you know what what's the best thing to do now um and we also it's have to be different yeah. yeah and we have some um some real issues as well as around regret this is quite an interesting bias um because we're 
it really affects our, our decisions, the fact that we might regret something. And interestingly, people are more concerned about regret for action that deviates from the norm mm. than for making a kind of standard decision that turns out badly. So that kind of really stops us being person-centered and innovative because if we do what we usually do and it doesn't work out, we feel less bad than if we do something unusual um, and it doesn't work out. And because we have this horrible hindsight bias where we look back on things and go, oh, I should have known when, mm. of course, we couldn't have known at the time. Um, regret really stops us from looking at, at, the, at the future in a kind of in a fresh way. So, you know, we if we if we went about it without bias, you know, what we, one, some of the things that we would be doing would be disregarding in a way the costs that have gone in before you know, mm. and we're saying, OK, starting from here, what do we need to do? And we'd be looking at what would be the best thing for this person, not what we'd normally do. Mm. And we'd be setting ourselves with the people, you know, the adults, carers, the children, um, the kind of goal of being confident about the decision now and keeping it under review and keeping monitoring it, not expecting, not not setting ourselves the goal of it must work out well. And yeah. that's just so hard to do. Mm. And it's and and it, when you were talking about that, I was I, my mind went to defensible decision making actually. And one of the things that I started thinking when you said um, that we we worry about action that deviates from the norm because mm. normal decisions that turn out badly. Um, um, in my what I was thinking in my head was yeah, but they're more defensible decisions that normal the normal thing that you would do. Is this something a reasonable man would have done in this circumstance? Yes, it is. Well, in that case, even though it didn't work, it was reasonable of that worker to think that that was the right thing to do. That's that's the case, unless it was it was reasonable in general, but not in this specific case. Not in specific. And that's, that's exactly where the right. person-centered yeah. issue kind of exactly. comes up. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we would start from okay, what's our repertoire? based on our expertise and evidence of the sorts of things that might be reasonable to do. But then when we look at that individual person, we have to say, okay, what, what's right for them? And be prepared to deviate from the norm. Yeah. Um, and that is incredibly hard. And it's about collecting the right, doing the right type of recording and asking the right types of questions and having the right type of partnership to be able to evidence that the decisions are, are person-centred. Yeah. And they and, can't be if right. you don't know the person and they're not fully involved and they yeah. really ought to be multi-agency as well yeah. for most of the work that we do. There's lots of rational reasons, isn't there, for why we do the things we do. The other thing on, in Munro's paper that I thought was really interesting was the bias towards more memorable data, towards the evidence that's vivid or concrete, arouses emotion, or is the first or last piece of information you received and how that hangs in our head and we fix, it's almost like we, we take a picture of the person in amber and we go back to what we know about them. Yes, but we know this about them. And, of course, often um, when people come into uh, children's services, the things we know most about them are often vivid mm. and negative. Yeah, so we will just be focusing on one aspect of people's lives when we when again yeah. a review is an opportunity to think holistically about people and not just think yeah. what's the what's the thing that we and also it's it's not 
what's the thing that we're most focused on? It's going back to what you said about what's what's the thing that matters most to the child mm. um, or to the adult. And can um, the child talk about what is different for them? Because that's the thing. I, th I think for us, the work we're trying to do is to bring about good difference for people. So they're experiencing something which is causing them distress or difficulty that they can't navigate on their own and they are looking for help to make that different. And so getting the child's words or the adolescent's words or the older person's words about how they're having that experience and then helping them to articulate what's different mm -hmm. and using those words is really important, isn't it? And that's once again where scaling tools um, can help people articulate what's working for them. Yeah. And this just reminds me before I before I shut up about um, one piece of um, research that was done by um, Heidi Cleaver a long time ago. And in it, she found that one of the most interesting things was that often people's circumstances changed not because of anything we did, but because of something unrelated that happened in the family, in their circumstances at the time. So we might have been doing all of these different interventions and then they got themselves um, an opportunity to move closer to their um, family where they could get different types of support. And so their family came in or, or grandmother moved into, into the neighbourhood or um, one of the adults where there'd been violence might have actually left, yeah. not because of anything we did. Does that make sense? but because, you know, there was relationship breakdown, perhaps pressure from us inadvertently, but it wasn't part of our plan. Um, and that these things were making changes as well. So in the review process, it's not just that you ask about what's on the plan. Mm -hmm. You also need to ask about what else has happened, the unintended consequences of us being involved. And also, is there anything else happening in your world that's different? Yeah, otherwise we just look at, a bit of people's lives don't we and we don't get yeah. a sense of difference um i mean some of the tools that i like best for re uh, for reviews are the most open ones so there's a person-centered tool called working not working which mm. just invites the person to talk about what's working in their life and what's not working in their life um and you build on what's working of course um good day bad day and again that would highlight not just is it good when the carer workers come in to help with this or is it good when you have this bit of support that we've provided but also what else is good and can we do more of that and less of the things that happen on a bad day so again it brings out a lot of the um it brings out a person's whole life i really like the discrepancy matrix by jane wanacott i think it's quite a helpful way of sorting out what it is you actually know as opposed to what you assume is happening um so you know really starting to go well what what do we know of the situation right now that's factual mm -hmm. what is it that we're assuming what is it that we haven't even you know that that's just out here that we haven't even thought about or dealt with so it's a nice way when you're in a big meeting of taking people's information and sorting and sifting it in a helpful way so that you are trying to um make make a judgment based on analysis basically mm -hmm. And the, the last thing that I wanted to mention about reviews is just the opportunity we have from all of these reviews, all of these revisiting of what we've done, all of these discussions about what difference we're making of really getting a proper picture of, of the impact of social work. And 
I don't think any organization uses reviews in the best way we could um, to really understand what's good, what good looks like, what seems to work, when it seems to work, um, and the value of the work that we do. Mm. Uh, so I would just really want us to do more of that. Yeah. And I think for me, I think reviews are an opportunity for us to be curious, curious about why a person is doing what they're doing, why they're responding the way they are, um, why why we think things are working or not working, what life is like. It's a good opportunity for us to set out to kind of collect the stories of difference and impact rather than stories of activity. Yeah, but hopefully people will find reviews an opportunity and a time to to re-motivate re and re-engage with why we're involved with that person yeah um yeah yeah so it's always focusing on purpose i think that's it isn't it always focus on the purpose of of, of it rather than the task of it excellent thanks so much joe that's my pleasure i shall go away and review my day <laughs> <laughs> and and um yeah, I hope that this year, 2019, is going to be a great one for everybody. So, because we haven't said Happy New Year yet to people, have we? No, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope that 2019 brings really bountiful and good things to our profession.